Welcome to the Here to Evolve podcast. I'm Josh. And I'm Alessandra. And in this podcast, we take topics from both health and fitness, as well as the business side of things. We run two businesses, SD Evolution and Fit Coach Pro, and have a pretty unique perspective because we've had a lot of success, but we are not quite at the top of the food chain yet. Our mission is to help break down these topics so you can learn in an easy to digest manner and apply them into your daily life. What is up, guys? Today, we are going to be discussing a few different things. We're going to go on a different type of journey, and I believe we're welcoming our first guest today. I don't think we've ever had a guest on the Here to Evolve podcast, so we're not going to do our usual intro and spiel. You guys know the deal with leaving reviews. I'm not going to dive into it. Jamie, why don't you introduce yourself? Yeah. Hi. So my name is Jamie um, or Dr. Jamie, whoever you want to say. I'm a nurse practitioner. I have my doctorate in nursing um, and I specialize in functional medicine, which I think you guys know a little bit about. um, But ideally, it gets to the root cause of uh, disease. And my passion is actually connecting spirit with medicine. Um, so those are some of the things that we're going to talk about. I don't think that we can fully heal physically if we don't also heal energetically and spiritually. So this is, I mean, until recently, Jamie, I didn't even realize the directions you took with all this. And I kind of knew some of the things that you did. And like, that's cool. That's cool. That's cool. That's cool. And I think the reason I've been so interested in like looking forward to this conversation is I'm seeing like all the different connections. So I don't, maybe I do consider myself a spiritual person. I never was, I did not grow up religious. Um, parents were Christians, tried to drag me to church and I was not about it. That's, it's just not my thing. Um, but I've struggled controlling my emotions my entire life and like specifically anger. And I was actually basically taught to harness that anger to do even better in sports. So that's what I did. And then once sports ended, I didn't have a uh, productive means of channeling that energy into anything else. So I was just a very reactive person. So the last two, probably three years at this point, I've been all in on this spiritual journey, essentially, where I've kind of come across Thich Nhat Hanh. Um, that's probably the first book, I, one of the first books I picked up, um, Your True Home. Uh, just basically learning to live in the present moment. And, you know, I've probably read a dozen books on Buddhism from that point. Um, I, I used to joke, like, I don't consider myself a Buddhist, but maybe I kind of am. Like, I, I just love, it seems more like, you know, a way of living than it does a religion. And I think that's kind of how it's supposed to feel when something just feels right. So maybe eventually... You know, I'll find a place to kind of really connect in that. But that's kind of been the start of my my spiritual journey is diving into those things. And then, you know, going through trying to learn a little bit about the chakras. And we've got a room upstairs for meditation and it's full of crystals. There's a place we like to go to in Connecticut. Um, it's just super calming. It's like an old school village. And we've got a few crystal stores and like those are my favorite places to go. And just even like what I would tell myself going through meditation and grabbing these things is even if this is all silliness like if this has nothing to do with anything and i'm not saying that it is knowing what each stone's purpose is what each crystal is supposed to do gives me something to channel as i'm meditating so we'll talk about manifestation here in a little while but i mean that's the biggest power i pulled from it using this i'm building on my self-confidence using this i'm reconnecting with my breath and connecting with the earth and you know nurturing those those things and i'm cleansing myself of these negative emotions and feelings and vibes and whatever you want to call it um, it's just been a fascinating journey and it's been a nice way for me to channel. I won't even say, cha- I guess it is channeling, but becoming aware of my environment internally and externally and being able to become aligned because of that. Yep. 
Well, and also, you know, even on the spirituality side, because I'm not, I'm not Christian. I mean, I was born, I was raised Catholic. Uh, I didn't have to go to church. I was baptized Catholic. I should preface that. My mom didn't make me go to church, but I don't, I don't believe in the Christian God. I don't believe in any of those. It's more of connecting on what you do believe in. Um, I connect to the universe, source. You know, you can call that God as well. There's many different iterations, right? And that's kind of how I look at religion. There's a lot of different religions, but it's having a belief in something, having a belief in something that is greater than you. Um, and that's allowing you to feel loved. And that's all people want to do. Um, love is one of the highest vibrating emotions and feelings. The only thing higher than that is authenticity. Um, and, you know, and when we have that connection, it's also having hope, um, in, you know, whatever, and having that belief, I think of that as the crystals too. I have this crystal, you know, like tourmaline, I wear tourmaline. Um, it's a protection crystal from, you know, other energies. I believe that that's going to help me. Um, it's looking at, at those things also, I mean, the thing about crystals in nature, they all have energy. I don't know. I don't know if you notice like how big the crystal store is that you go into, but if they, we went to, um, I'm in Denver. And so there's this big crystal show, right? So many giant ones. You can actually feel the energy of them while you're walking through because everything is energy and there is energy everywhere. We just have to be in tune to be able to feel it. And you have to slow down and be present to be able to notice that if you really sit in tune with your crystal, you'll feel, you can feel the difference from one to the other, how, you know, the, the temperature of it, how does it make you feel? What emotions does it bring up? Any of those kinds of things? Cause they all have different abilities. It's funny that you say that I walk into those stores and like, I think I'm just looking forward to going to get a new crystal, but you walk in and it just feels wonderful. The moment you walk into it. and these places, yeah. they're not huge stores. They're kind of almost like mom and pop shops. So we don't have the big, like the Walmarts of, of the, uh, the crystal <laughs> universe. We don't have the big guys out here that I've come across. Um, but occasionally they'll have like a bigger amethyst, like when you walk in and I'm just like, that's my goal to end up having upstairs is one of those big that you can feel as soon as you walk in. Yep. Um, so I, I know what you're saying, just from being in the presence of, of so many, as you walk in there, it's just, I feel good. Is it because it's all these things here or because I'm excited to be here. And I think it's, it's certainly an element of both. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. So, uh, kind of taking that, we talked, this is kind of the manifestation preface, and then we're going to kind of dive into the journey, but manifestation has been something that I've kind of utilized. I don't want to say selfishly recently, but I started reading think and grow rich. So the books that I read are literally like Buddhism or like business development or some type of psychology, something that's going to fall in those two. Cause those are my focuses right now. It's my spirituality, you know, taking control of me and also the other side of taking control of my businesses. So going through reading, think and grow rich, basically the concept of visualizing where you want your, your business to be and living in that and feeling it when you wake up and feeling it before you go to sleep, you see the process you see where you want to end and you feel the emotions and the the great things that are coming because of that. Now, that has been my first buy-in on manifestation. Although those other things we just talked about are probably smaller forms of, this, of the same thing. We're trying to manifest positive things in our lives and our bodies and our emotions. I've gone through, and this is where I'm going to connect from those who are still listening to this thinking we're, we're going woo, a little too woo woo with, you know, how this actually, you know, for those who will never buy into this, how this actually plays a role in your lives. 
going through that, doing that practice. This is where we are right now. This is where I want my businesses to be in five years, in 10 years, in 20 years. Here are the things we're going to do. Feeling those things, going through those manifestations or visualizations, if you just want to call them those, within the last month and a half have literally changed my actions throughout every single day. There are things that I would do that just without even thinking subconsciously, I'm wasting time, whether it's picking up my phone while I'm reading to just scroll or while I'm eating to scroll or, you know, going somewhere I didn't need to go while I was already out and in that direction. Now it's no, I don't have time for this. I have to go home. I have to do X, Y, and Z. And I'm, I'm, on, I'm on my path. These are the things that I need to do to get to my goal. So, you know, whether we're calling and downloading from the universe or whether we are just aligning our minds with our actions, living in those things, feeling those things, they do create literal actions. They do create physical manifestations in your life. Now to go to the more woo-woo side, I also have this thing. I really noticed the last year and, you know, you talk about connecting with the universe, the universe is your God. And you know, what is God? That's a whole nother philosophical conversation we could have. They could all, we could all be saying the same things in different words, but I have this thing process wise, where if I start to learn something or I'm intrigued by something, I want to understand more about it. I'll start the process. For example, boxing. This is something that I picked up last year going through the motions, something doesn't feel right. I'm throwing punches and combinations and I'm just locked up somewhere and they're not flowing as smoothly as they should, they should flow. So I'm still practicing. I'm going through it, getting a little better, but I could take a week off and my body is still in my mind. I call this downloading from the universe. It's understanding the problem. It's working through it and it's downloading the solution from the universe. I could literally wake up in the morning or sit up in the middle of the night or just be sipping a coffee in the middle of the day and be like, Oh, not even thinking about that, that combination anymore. And then I'll stand up and I'll feel it and I'll flow. And then it makes sense because my body finished that download process. It gave me the solution. And that was like one of those things. It came out of nowhere. This wasn't me thinking about manifestation. It wasn't me thinking about downloading from the universe. It was just something I kind of believed it to be after like mm -hmm. the 10th time that it happened. I'm like, what is this? And yep. it just truly felt like I downloaded this information and this process from the universe. And now it makes sense. Now I understand this better. And now I can go through those motions a lot smoother. So I don't know if you've had those experiences or what your connection is with manifestation, how you use it. Yeah. So I can go a little deeper. I, I, I have studied a little bit human design and I'm a manifester. So manifesting comes really easy for me. That kind of goes into like your birth date and the stars and that kind of stuff. It just explains the little bits of your personality. Um, but you know, I can show you a positive and a negative on the manifesting, right? Because a lot of it is how we speak to ourselves. What what are the emotions that we're resonating on? Um, our the our body hears our emotions. There's studies on that in plants. If you don't if you don't love on your plant, they're not going to grow. It's you people who if you like praise them, if you sing to them, if you play them music, they grow so much more. That's I mean that's in science. Um, but ages ago, I got it. <laughs> And my, and I, I was the sole breadwinner of the family. And my biggest fear was having to give this person alimony, having to pay, um, lived in New York, you know, they were all, you know, it's not, not, you know, <laughs> guess what? That's all I thought about was my fear of having to give him all my money. And I did, I had to pay him alimony because that's exactly what I focused on. Now, fast forward as I'm like going through parts of my healing process, applying for my doctorate. I applied to two schools. I really wanted to go to Duke because Duke was open to integrative medicine. 
Um, and then I had applied to some other school in New York, didn't really want to go. That school started in the fall. I got in. I had to tell them whether, because orientation was going to start, but Duke was going to start in the spring because I applied a little late. The whole time I'm waiting for all of these things, I said, when I get into Duke. I never said if. I said, when I get into Duke. And I continued with that. I had to tell this school that I declined my admission and I hadn't heard from Duke. I found out a week later. So I had to sit in that and trust and know that I was going to get in. And I did. That's so crazy. it's, you know, it's, it's how you think, but it's also how you speak. So I, I don't, I don't say if I, I work on eliminating the word try because there's doubt. I work on eliminating any word that portrays doubt. I'm just going to believe that all of this is really going to happen. And there's different ways you can do it. I mean, I, I love that you're reading the book about feel it see it like you have to like put yourself in there i like vision boards as well and it can be pictures it can be words it can be all of that i honestly utilized a vision board for my partner and i think i did a pretty darn good job <laughs> <laughs> but you can you know and then the next step is okay i'm going to use a vision i'm going to make one from for business so that i can have it there and you, you know i put it in my space where i meditate so you see it every day um you don't have to read it it's just, you see it, you know, it's there. And it's really about putting what you want and calling it in and being very clear. So like a silly example would be, I don't know, you want somebody who's wealthy. Well, what are they wealthy in? <laughs> because you can be wealthy in more than one thing. And if you just say wealthy, you may not, if you really, if you really wanted somebody who was rich in money, you may not get that. You may have somebody who's wealthy in like love or wealthy in, you know, something else. Mm -hmm. So you have to be really, really clear on what it is that you want um, and what you want to speak into existence. Um, so I think there's many ways of doing it, but it can't, it's, it usually doesn't work if you're just like, if you just like write down your goals, you really have to, you have to feel it. You have to know it. And that's how you call it into existence. Absolutely. You have to live it, literally live yeah. it. And, and it's funny you talk about those elimination words, you know, I've talked about this with my team, you know, going through when you're giving, you know, responses to clients, it doesn't feel right. When you say, I think it doesn't feel like feel right. When you say, let's try, or I try or whatever. So it's no longer, I think it's, I believe this is yep. what I believe. These are the things yep. and just pulling that stronger focus. So absolutely. And just to kind of dive into, you can't just write it down and then it doesn't live there. You can't just say it once. And then it's, it is what it is. Mm -hmm. You have to live in that thing that you want. And that's how you kind of bring it in. And it's just, it's crazy to me how, again, take away the woo woo is just subconsciously your body understands this is the goal. Now I'm going to do everything it takes to get to that point, whatever yeah. it is, whatever different area of your life. Um, so I'm going to, I think I'm going to start to read this. I think I can pull this in. It's kind of a long excerpt I pulled from this article. So to kind of remove, is this all woo woo manifestation? And I keep saying woo because I don't have a better word for it. But essentially, an article came out as we were prepping for this podcast. And as I'm thinking about the download from the universe and all these things, and, you know, am I nuts or, you know, what's actually happening here? An article pops up how these scientists are actually doing studies on finding what consciousness is and can our brains actually connect with consciousness, not only like locally, essentially, but across the universe based on these quantum particles and microtubules, I believe they call them. So I'll read it quick as I can, we'll kind of decipher it if we want to. And then I want to transition into your journey in the next part of this, but essentially starts out 
whether we create consciousness in our brains as a function of our neurons firing or consciousness exists independently of us, there's no universally accepted scientific explanation for where it comes from, where it lives. However, new research on the physics, anatomy, and geometry of consciousness has begun to reveal its possible form. In other words, we may soon be able to identify a true architecture of consciousness. The new work builds upon a theory Nobel Prize winning physicist Roger Penrose, PhD, and anesthesiologist Stuart Hamroff, MD, first posted in the 90s, orchestrated objective reduction theory. Broadly, it claims that the consciousness is a quantum process facilitated by microtubules in the brain's nerve cells. Now, they suggested consciousness is a quantum wave that passes through these microtubules. And like that, uh, every quantum wave has properties uh, like superposition, which is the ability to be in many places at the same time, and entanglement, the potential for two particles that are very far away to be connected. So to explain quantum consciousness, Hameroff recently told the TV programmer Closer to Truth that it must be scale invariant like a fractal, and a fractal is a never-ending pattern. So for those of you, um, I think Huberman has talked about this, but looking off into the distances, uh, if you're in the middle of the day and just into nature, it's these fractals, these never-ending patterns that kind of calm everything down and keep you productive. Um, so that's what a fractal is, and still maintain the properties at scale. So normal states of consciousness may, might be that we uh, what we consider quite ordinary, knowing you exist, for example. Uh, when you have a heightened state of consciousness, it's because you're dealing with quantum-level consciousness that is capable of being in all places at the same time, he explains. Uh, that means your consciousness can connect or entangle with quantum particles outside of your brain anywhere in the universe, theoretically. Um, and living things use these quantum particles. So photosynthesis, for example, allows a plant to store energy from a photon or quantum particles of light. Um, and new, new evidence suggests microtubules in our brain may be even better at guarding this quantum coherence than chlorophyll. They go on to discuss the butterfly effect, where essentially, you know, one degree difference of any condition can alter something across, you know, the, so a butterfly flapping its wings, altering a hurricane, it's butterfly effect. Uh, so Palmer believes that the universe may be one trajectory, like one car on a cosmological scale state space, like the Lorenz attractor. When we imagine what if scenarios, we're actually getting information about versions of ourselves and other universes who are navigating the same strange attractor, other cars on the track. This also accounts for our sense of consciousness of free will and being connected with a greater universe. He goes on to state that I would at least hypothesize that it would be that it may well be the case that it's evolving on a very special fractal subsets of all conceivable states in state space. Uh, Palmer tells popular mechanics, if his ideas are correct, he says, then we need to look at the structure of the universe on its very largest scales because these attractors are really telling us about a kind of holistic geometry for the universe. So it's basically going on to state we may not know what consciousness truly is or agree on what consciousness truly is, but they're beginning to understand the form that it may take. So it was just, yeah. I thought it was very interesting. I thought it kind of, you know, when you're connecting with yourself in this alternate realm, you know, that's where you're retrieving information from on a different track. I just thought, again, everything kind of manifesting in, in a certain way for a certain reason. We're about to do this. Yep. Magically, this falls onto the front page of my phone. You're going to share a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's nice to see. I, I kind of like to to sit and not attach everything to science because I'm such a, as a medical I'm person, with you. everything is so science oriented. But it's, it's nice to see more stuff like that come out so people can kind of understand it. Um, and even on the energy side, as we say, it's kind of woo-woo. Quantum physics explains lots of those aspects as well. So there's ways of kind of having that connection. 
Um, but consciousness is definitely an evolving field. Very interesting. Very interesting. Now I do want to shift this conversation. It, I believe it's connected. Obviously we're going to take a leap. Um, but you have taken some dabbling experiences into the world of psychedelics. Yes. So the connection I'm kind of drawing to this and why I thought it was still relevant and just a very interesting conversation to have is, you know, from what I hear about like ayahuasca processes, it's they come out of this and they're just, they have that much more clarity. They go through this journey and they understand their purpose in life and they come out of it just with a clear vision and everything kind of makes sense. I know that obviously psychedelics have been coming up luckily as, you know, a, uh, pharmaceutical alternative, mm -hmm. um, you know, to treating PTSD, to treating anxiety and depression and things like that. Um, so I just thought it would be a great time to make this connection. If you want to kind of share your story, what you've done in this so far, what you've gotten out of it. Um, I'm fascinated. So I'm just going to buckle up and sit back and listen. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so I, I'm going to share some stuff that I've actually never shared publicly before. Um, and I, cause I think it's just, again, living authentically, <laughs> I'm going to be very authentic on what brings me into it. Um, so I am one who has a history of childhood trauma. Um, and when I was younger, I never, I mean, I smoked weed. I grew up in Vermont. I'm a hippie, but never really did drugs. I did mushrooms once and I absolutely hated it. Um, and I learned about plant medicine and learned about ayahuasca. So when I was younger, it was always, I want to do ayahuasca so I can heal my trauma. That was the only, that was what I was equating it to. Um, and then fast forward, did some energy healing work, um, and kind of worked through lots of traumas. And that was part of my evolution. Um, and then, uh, for my 40th, um, I was like, I'm going to go to Peru and do ayahuasca. Um, that was like one of the things I was going to do with one of my girlfriends. She kind of backed out because it was during COVID. Um, and so, I, two of my best friends in New York had just come back from a retreat space. Um, I was going to go for a week. They were like, no, everybody who went for a week really wanted to go for two weeks. And I was like, okay, I booked this without, I'm very type A, I plan everything. And I was just like, literally that day ask, can I have two weeks off from work in a month? Booked everything in like two days. And then I was like, oh, geez, what did I just do? I'm about to travel country three planes I have to take to get there all by myself and I was like freaking out and going on this journey um so I dove head first I am also a little bit of an extremist kind of personality as like an ex-marathon ultra runner now you know thanks to Alessandra I power lift um, <laughs> <laughs> but um did seven ceremonies in two weeks so um really, really intense. I didn't have a lot of prep going into it beyond following the dieta, paying attention to energy, doing all of that kind of stuff. Um, and I had probably only two of those ceremonies felt nice and peaceful. All of them were very challenging and hard um, otherwise, but not in a bad way. It just, you're, you're dealing, you know, you deal with your traumas, you deal with yourself and all of those things. Um, and then I came back to learn that 80% of your work is when you get home. And so somebody who's always smiling, always happy. I had so much anger inside of me that I didn't know how to process. And thankfully, you know, years of therapy, years of all of that and resources and energy work and going back to my meditation, I had some tools, but I was like, 
what about anybody else who's interested in this stuff? Um, and so I started researching. That was in 21. So it was a little bit before everything became a little bit more popularized. And more mainstream. Um, yeah, kind of thinking about because, you know, Colorado just legalized medicinal um, psilocybin, which were still on the works. And um, Oregon had also done that. But for me, in that, the reason why I was like so steadfast, this is amazing, is um, I honestly wouldn't have my business if I hadn't done all of those journeys. Um, I was I got more in tune with my confidence of being able to have my own business, being able to be authentic and practice medicine the way that I want to practice. Because, I mean, the stuff we're talking about, you can't talk about that in a regular medical practice. Um, so I was always having to like do it under the radar when I was in New York, sending people to see my energy healer. I'm like doing it under the radar. We're talking about crystals, all of that stuff while practicing real physical medicine, right? Because they, to me, they go together. Um, so I never would have been able to, to, I wouldn't have opened my business. I still would have just been trugging along like a minion. Um, and, and just to be able to be comfortable in the weird aspects of myself, right? I'm a different, I'm different. <laughs> and I love it, you know? <laughs> I mean. <laughs> we all are, it's just who's yeah. embracing it, who isn't. Exactly, exactly. But to be okay, like, you know, waving that little freak flag and like, you know, and just being able to talk about all the things. So that was one of the biggest pieces um, is just really getting more in tune with being able to love every aspect of who I am um, and getting more in tune with knowing that because I had a I had a journey where I was frankly, I was in hell. <laughs> And, and I was like really miserable. Um, and it was like, oh, well, I can, sh I have the power to shift this. Um, you know, it was, a, it was a journey where I really, I, I needed to go to the bathroom and I was afraid because I thought all the other people in, um, the, the space where we, we call it is the Moloka. It's like this. And, um, I thought all of them were demons and devils and I was way on the end and I had to go all the way past them to get to the bathroom. And I was scared so scared. And then I was just like, oh, well, I can shift that. And so just learn, like, it's, you can go into like, I'm having a bad day. Well, I can shift that. I have control over these emotions and we can make those little shifts. I and mean, that's a dramatic way of like learning that lesson. Mm -hmm. But to me, it's really beautiful. I mean, I can sit back and laugh at it now. It was scary as heck, but like <laughs> I can laugh at it now. Um, and so it was, you know, it was really, really, a really valuable experience for me, um, to kind of go through all of that and definitely hard coming out. Um, I, I wished I had had more integration support and people talk about this more now. And that was what I initially started studying is like, how can I support people going through integration, um, and helping them when they come out of these retreats? Because, you know, before it was only that, and I will be honest, like my biggest interest is plant medicine, not as much the pharmaceuticals. Like, you know, I understand ketamine. I've gone through the MDMA training and that kind of stuff, but I definitely more for ayahuasca and psilocybin and that kind of stuff, even like Iboga over Ibogaine. Um, cause it's just more medicalized. And I like the energy of working with the actual plant. Um, and so, um, then Colorado, kind of legalized all the things and I started actually training so I could be a prescriber when it's when it's official um and that way I can continue to kind of get the information out there and since 
with all of that, I've been dabbling with psilocybin since being here. So um, working um, with people to set up a retreat space out here in Denver. Um, I just got back. Well, it's actually not in Denver. It's in the mountains, but in Colorado. Just got back from doing a, a psilocybin journey. And we also did um, Bufo or some people call it toad medicine. Um, Is that DMT? A 5-MeO-DMT. Okay. Yeah. Um, it's basically, um, you, you smoke it. Um, it's like the, the, the poison from the toad and you mm-hmm. smoke it. Um, and it, it's, it really it lasts like 20 minutes. Whereas like ayahuasca can be six hours, um, or more sometimes psilocybin is, you know, four to six by the time it's done. Um, this like 20 minutes, really fast, really intense. Um, and then you're done and kind of, um, but energetically very open. I feel like I've been in the twilight zone for a lot of the week. I had to, you know, go to the mall to get a new computer. <laughs> and I was like, where am I? Where am I? Just because you're very open, you're very open to all the energy. And that's the thing, you know, and the mistake I often make is I dive right back into work when I come home. Um, so it, you know, I do my meditation, but I can't shut down shop completely. Um, and what's even more beneficial is just take more time and, you know, be, uh, be careful on who you spend time around and what you're engaging in, because you are super open to everything around you and you're still processing all the emotions. And in reality, um, I couldn't find, I had written it down, like how long some of these medicines have an actual effect inside of you. Not that you're tripping for that amount of time, but how they impact the neurotransmitters and all of that. Um, I think ayahuasca is like six to nine months and psilocybin is three to six. So, you know, just from one ceremony, you can have an impact for, for that long. Um, and I don't know about 5-MeO-DMT. I just had it written down for those two. Um, but there's, and and this weekend, oh my God, I stepped in and I was, I was a couple hours late compared to everybody else who was there. And there was this one man and he was just, he was very closed off. And I could tell he was interested. Like I can, I can feel it. I can see it when he's looking at me, like he is kind of interested in my story, but really closed off. And as each day went on, he opened up more and more and just, and to see the change and the brightness in this person after taking medicine, like insane, insane. Um, you can fit like actually visually see the difference. And he was talking, he was laughing, he was, you know, and some of these journeys I'm doing them with, um, I think he was a firefighter. He responded to Columbine, um, you know, and, and I'm with, uh, like army people, Navy SEALs, like, you know, I had a, a fighter, fighter pilot there. Um, and all, and like they, you know, they, they all have trauma. Um, it broke my heart the other day. I had a patient and he's on all the psych meds because he has PTSD and he's in the military and he can't do all the things. I mean, he's on a straight, like, like antipsychotic. I'm like, but we have all these powerful things that science shows works. Um, and you can see that it works and, um, to kind of help addiction, depression, anxiety, PTSD. They're using it more for, um, there are studies for using some psychedelics for like Lyme and some chronic conditions. I personally believe that the reason why it works for those is because people who are chronically sick 
from such things, they have trauma that they haven't gotten rid of. So it's the energy that you're holding in your body from those traumas that's preventing you from, um, from healing. Um, yeah. That's amazing. All of it, extremely powerful. And I know, you know, you've, you've circled trauma and I would, I almost fall in the category of having been sick for so long. Like there could be some there be, prior to this conversation. I was, I'm thinking, you know, I don't really have any serious trauma to work through for you know, sickness aside, assuming that's not there for the everyday individual who feels like something's myth- missing. They feel like they're out of alignment. They want to refine their purpose in life. Is this, are these things more for those who are working through a trauma or is this, I don't want to say specifically like a, a an unlocking of creativeness. Uh, I'm trying to find the right words for this. Um, is there another path or is it primarily working through a specific trauma that these things are going to be utilized for? I think it's more studied for trauma because trauma right. is going to be associated with mental health issues, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll, I'm going to backtrack and say that I... I think that everybody has trauma. Your medical trauma is trauma. There's a lot of people who are traumatized by conventional medicine. Um, Just because you're told there's nothing wrong with you and you feel like crap and you go through cycles, right? Um, There's there's trauma. I mean, Alessandra has gone through trauma from fertility issues. That is a form of trauma. It may not be like the trauma that I went through because I was abused or somebody who witnessed, you know, death in, you know, in the military or any of that, but no trauma should be discredited. We all have it to an extent. Um, But I also think that, you know, as the connection to the universe, that's what these do is they help you connect to yourself, but they're also going to help you connect to the universe. Uh, they empower you. They help you know that you have all the answers inside of you. Um, but part of my, my psilocybin journey, a lot of times you close your eyes when you're going through these experiences and that's how you get visuals. I don't get as strong visuals for me with psilocybin as I did with ayahuasca, but then I laid back. It was under the almost full moon. It was the night before the full moon and we were out in the mountains um, outside and it's just like you're just connected with this, the stars that you see and the moon and that's the universe. Like it's just feeling that connection. You can actually see the the geometry in the sky of like the sacred geometry, those kinds of things. Um, and, and, and for, for, for Bufo or toad, essentially they call it, they sometimes people call it the God molecule. Essentially you feel like you're going to die. Like it, I actually was like scared. (laughs) Not very long, but you literally, like, I was like, I can't, I can't breathe. Right. Um, but it's just you, for me, my personal experience was I just fell back into absolute nothingness. I was in a white light of like white light everywhere. That's the only thing that I could see. And to, and for me, that enhances the connection because that's to me, the universe is light. And if we stay in the light, we are always protected. It's not, it's about not being in the darkness. And so when we talk about, you know, how we talk to ourselves or all of it, it's looking at vibration, right? We stay in the positive vibration and that's the light also, then you're, you're, you're great. You're great. And it's about not going into that negativity. So 
don't go into the negativity of being sucked into social media or sucked into the news or sucked into all of these things. Like stay present in your existence, go enjoy your chickens, go enjoy putting your feet in the earth, go, you know, enjoy those precious moments with your kids and with your family. And like that to me is being in the light and being present. Um, a lot of people come out of doing psychedelics actually feeling more spiritual or reawakening. Um, just before this, I had had a chat with um, somebody that I did a journey with um, over the summer, and you know, his he reawakened his relationship with the Christian God. Um, that was his, you know, that was his connection. Um, but it's really it reawakens this connection to the universe and. I think that when you have that connection, you can then be more creative. You can then, you know, you clears your brain of all the muck. Can't be creative if our brain is filled with muck. Can't be creative if we're constantly thinking about the future, like way in the future, or we're stuck in the past. You have to be in the present moment to really, you know, focus and think or let things flow. Um, and and this kind of helps you allow you to kind of be there. So it's sounding based on which, how you've described it, it almost sounds like there are all these things, these situations, these emotions we've kind of buried in ourselves and this kind of chisels all those things free. And that, I think I made that connection because you said 80% of the work is afterwards and you dealt with so much anger. And it seems like this is just as you say, open, it's this opening of all these cages. You're freeing yourself of all these things that are now there they're not gone but they're there for you to process again they're not yep. buried where it's tougher to get to is that kind of what we're talking yep. about yep and you can process you can process things by talking but you can also process things energetically so going back to that energy going back to the idea that when we have different experiences if we don't fully process it it gets stuck in our body so think about okay so um a dog is chasing a cat or a cat is chasing a mouse. At the end of the chase, they didn't get caught. That animal that was being chased shakes it out. That's the finalization of that stress response. If we don't get rid of, if we don't do that, which we usually don't do, right? You know, we get into a big fight and we just go to bed or, wow. you know, we're not moving our bodies to move the energy. It then gets trapped in our bodies and we hold on to that and that shifts all the things. So that can go into, you know, the chakras talk about the alignment here. The energy healing that I was doing is called network spinal analysis, which is only done by chiropractors and it's based on the spine. But again, the energy here, right? Mm -hmm. Um, the body keeps the score kind of is a book and it talks about some of those aspects. Um, but you can release energy in many different ways. Um, and it's called it's purging, right? So some of the medicines you actually physically purge, whether it's vomiting or coming out the other end that happens, especially in ayahuasca. Um, Purging is sneezing, purging is snot, purging is crying, purging is moving your body in any sort of way. It's sweating, it's laughing, it's burping, like all of those things. It's kind of funny. Every When I meditate in the morning, I clear my chakras. I burp every time. That's energy moving, <laughs> right? And it can happen, you know, for a period. I mean, coming home, I think today's the first day I haven't cried. <laughs> and so I had my last experience on Sunday. Today is Friday. Today might be the first day I haven't cried. And it wasn't, I was just not sad. Just that's my body still kind of purging and letting go. And it's more about not, not overthinking what's happening, just allowing it, just allowing that release. Um, and, the, and then that kind of clears the cobwebs. <laughs> yeah. 
keep doing it. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's, you know, that's why even like for me in my practice, like I want everybody to move. Even if you just walk, move every day, do something, we have to move the energy. And those are aspects of healing as well. Um, and the baby steps of getting you to the other moments that you can do things. Um, and I should say you can get, do all this stuff without medicine. I had a, I did holotropic breath work. Um, it was insane. And you get to an altered state of consciousness with your own breath. And I had visions. I had experiences. It was really intense. What was the name of that? Holotropic breath work. Holotropic, like O or is there an oh, H? Holotropic, holotropic with holotropic. an H. Yeah. Okay. Very interesting. Um, yeah. And so, um, yeah, you can do this even if you don't want to take medicine. This is mind-blowing, eye-opening. I think my draw to it, I've been like intrigued by it for a little over a year now, just, you know, coming across it. What is it doing? Why are they doing it? Basically, and you know, you've heard a good chunk of my story and working with you a little bit. I've felt like a shell of myself. So I, I had Barrett's esophagus for about a decade and then I healed from it. It was cleared from it. They burned my throat uh, every other month for 14 months. So I had seven surgeries where they just shot my throat with a laser beam. Finally got rid of it. Everything looked good for going on two plus years to this point. But the last thing to come back was energy and vitality. And I was an extrovert growing up. I, or maybe not growing up. The end of, end of high school through college, extrovert. Once I got sick, medical anxiety is what I call it. Medically induced anxiety because I was having those, you know, felt like heart attack every single day. And I just went inward and inward and inward and inward for a decade. And I had, that's how I protected myself. That was how I got through the day without having a full-blown panic attack because wondering what was going to happen. So even coming out of that and healing, you know, everything looked okay on paper. I did a couple tests where, yeah, inflammation was a bit higher than it should be, even though I'm, I'm cleared to this point or was cleared at that point we we're talking about. I still felt like crap every single day. I was, I had no energy. If I wasn't in a bad mood, I, I was just monotone. Um, I just felt like I've had chains on me for 12 years to that point. So 10 years being sick, two years coming out of it and, uh, you know, doing all the things, you know, my routine, you know, how I eat, yep. you know, how I train. I do all of the things I'm like for the things that I do. And this isn't just someone saying they do the things and really doing half of them. I do the things I live by what we talk about as the evolution, me and Alessandra preach this on a daily basis. And that's how we live but I couldn't come out of it. And I wasn't there as much as I could have been or should have been for my family, my wife, my son, now my daughter. It was very frustrating. And that's why, you know, I told you before, you know, I had turned to, um, at that point, I won't name the company, but a company for peptides and testosterone. Testosterone was, was pretty low. So I'm like, well, you know, I need to do all these things to bring everything back up, whether it hurts me in the long run or not. If I'm doing these things the right way, I need to feel better. And if I lose 15 years on the end of my life, at least I was there for them in a better way. Didn't end up being the case. Didn't end up working out. And I wasn't on that stuff long-term at all. It's on there for like a week and a half, as we've talked about. Um, but my circling all the way back here, that was kind of my draw to this, this journey and this process is, is this something that is just going to help me break out of those chains? You know, not mm -hmm. to say it's some magical elixir that brings all my energy back, but am I able to even open up? Because even if I have energy, do I have the confidence anymore? Do I have the, you know, the extrovertedness in a sense where I'm out there interested in meeting new people and connecting with new people and wanting to have conversations and not just walking in a straight line while life passes you by living in your box? 
Um, so I guess that was my draw. And that was really my question, I guess, was when we circled back to the trauma thing where I wouldn't, I guess it is kind of trauma saying it out loud like that, but <laughs> is that, is that still something, you know, am I on, was I on the right path thinking that would be something to explore down the road? Yeah. Well, number one, beautiful that you just made that realization. <laughs> and so kind of, <laughs> you know, seeing those aspects, um, but yeah, cause I, you know, I think it, it allows you whenever you kind of have a, an identity, right. You identify as I have this illness. Now we need to get rid of that identity. That's one of the things that, that keeps people sick. Um, so I'm always open, you know, I had mold toxicity. I healed that. I do have Lyme and the co-infections. I don't ever treat them. I live symbiotically with them. That's my choice. Cause I'm super high functioning. I used to say my Lyme. I no longer say that I don't own it. No we just live with it. Right. And so a lot of people identify with their illness and, and we have to get rid of those identities. Um, we have all kinds of identities, right? I used to have an identity as a, as a marathon runner. And when I lost the ability because I was sick, that was a hard one. Or you get moms, right? <laughs> when you haven't gotten there yet, but when the kids get out of the house, like what happens to your identity then? And I'm sure it happens with dads too. Um, and I think using, utilizing medication, I say medication, plant medicine is a fast forward way of reconnecting with yourself, reconnecting with your identity. And if you really know who yourself, you're going to have confidence being in different environments on being able to be authentically who you are instead of what you think you're supposed to be or what you're supposed to portray. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and, and with that, your energy is going to uplift because if we're holding on to the weight of the world and all of our problems and all of those things, that's going to weigh down our energy. As long as we've already worked through some of the medical aspects and fine tuned it for what your body specifically needs. Um, not every guy needs to have testosterone as far as like the, the injection or any of that. We have other ways of working through things. Um, but, you know, cause it's also stress impacts all of our hormones and, doing plant medicine can kind of help with some of those aspects because it helps us be in the present moment, um, which helps relieve stress and helps reduce that cortisol response. All makes sense. And now I'll kind of, for those who might be intrigued now, their, their interest has peaked. They've never done anything like this before. I was, I won't say I'm a, I was a straight edge growing up. Um, I drank a lot. I smoked a lot of weed. Um, but other than that, like I, I partied hard and I was, a, I was a decent kid. I listened to my parents. My parents said, don't do drugs. I never did actual, I don't consider weed really a drug. It's, you know, it's, I never did any harder drugs than that. It was, it was drinking and, and it was weed for me. Um, and even we, I stopped, I had a terrible experience with an edible once. And that was the last time I ever ate anything. It was just absolutely miserable. So I have almost, not almost, I would say I would have a, an apprehension to do something like this, wondering what kind of reaction that I would have. Would I break down into a panic attack? You know, I know you mentioned that you tried mushrooms and you had a terrible experience and yet you were still open to doing this. Was that a fear in the back of your mind? That anxiety, was that there? Is this something that you thought was going to trigger or you did enough research to understand that that's not really how the mechanism works? Talk to me a little bit about that and, you know, someone who might be fearful of their response to it and being able to actually get to, you know, the journey without dying. <laughs> so I think by the time I, I did um, psilocybin again, I trusted it. So the okay. whole, the whole thing is um, 
all it's plant medicine. So we talk about energy. It has an energy, right? Um, and it's, you know, that's where the medicine in it was. The medicine is also within you, right? It's just as I'm a provider, I'm, I'm not healing you. You're healing yourself. And that's the, the medicine helps you get to that point, but you have to trust it. So just as you're going to trust whoever's, you know, taking care of you medically, you need to trust the medicine to have, you know, to, to, for you to be safe, to, for you to have the journey and know that you can't control what's going to happen. The medicine's going to give you whatever you're ready for. Um, so if you do have like a trauma or something like that, you may have to go through more than one journey before you actually start processing that. Um, cause it's going to give you what you're actually ready to kind of work on. Um, and it's, and it's about the, it's about the prep and about the integration and having all of that support. So, you know, doing journal entries of things, maybe you want to get rid of, or things you want to invite in, or what is your intention with the medicine? Everything is about intentionality. So when we're younger, we just take mushrooms and we go play with music and do whatever, all of this. No with, you know, now it's, I have the medicine, I'm speaking the intention that I want to hold for my journey to the medicine. I'm developing a relationship with it. Um, cause again, energy, and then you're in one spot, you know, we, we, you can wear masks so that you don't open your eyes, that kind of stuff, but you're, you're laying down and you are letting the medicine go through you. You do, you can get up and some of those things to like move your body, but it's very different compared to when we did things potentially when we were younger or any of that. There's not the partying and, you know, and that kind of stuff. Um, and it, you'll know when you're ready to do it because you have to be called to do it and you have to feel, you have to feel that moment of being ready. And if you're not ready to have a big dose um, with mushrooms, we call it a heroic dose, which is essentially five grams. Um, you can microdose, but even microdosing, and people talk about it a lot. I don't believe you take it every single day. Um, there's different schedules you can you can have it. Um, Paul Stamets talks about this a lot because he combines like his lion's mane and some other you know mm -hmm. mushrooms for neurotropic effects. Um, but it's still even when I would microdose um, meditation. I have like an altar. I put it on my altar. I meditate, I give it an intention and then I take it. I don't put it with my other supplements. I want to know that there's an intention connected to that. And that's the way that I feel with all of the plant medicines. Even if, um, I'm kind of with you, I don't really like weed that much. I have some edibles to help sleep, but, um, but even if I were to do that, I want to do it with intention because it's a plant too. And, and that has healing powers within and of itself. Like there's so much research studying CBD and all of those things. And so, you know, I think the biggest piece is about going into it with intention and then really trusting the medicine to work with you. Because um, if, if you fear it, you may not have any sort of an effect. That's the, that's the difference, right? Mm -hmm. If you trust it and really work with it, you're going to have a, an experience, whatever you, you know, you need at that moment. If you're fearful of it, if you're in an environment that doesn't feel safe to you, like if you do it in a group setting, which I personally love group settings, but if it ones, if it's one that doesn't feel safe, so they didn't put a good, con we call it a container together, you may not step into it so much and you're not going to have as, uh, I don't want to say like a bad experience, but it the message just might not work as well. 
Um, and then also just making sure you're screening for, you know, people who have bipolar or psychosis or family histories of those, we shouldn't be utilizing psychedelics. Um, people who are taking uh, antidepressants, um, specifically SSRIs, shouldn't be doing um, these, um, mostly because they all interact with serotonin and it's not going to work as well. That's the same with microdosing. The mic, mm -hmm. it just doesn't work as well. Um, and then you can have um, negative consequences from an abundance of serotonin and get really sick and maybe. Um, so wherever you go, ideally they're screening you for all of those things just on the medical side of things. Um, but it's it just going in when you're ready and trusting it. Those are the two biggest pieces of advice that, that I would give. Can you talk to me a little bit about what's actually happening like with i know you mentioned ayahuasca psilocybin the toad are all of these just different ways of helping you rewire the brain or what what's happening that's allowing you to to open up and have these experiences and actually grow from them yeah i mean they 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 interact the active um medication in uh ayahuasca is dmt and then bufo is 5-meo dmt so kind of similar and then um mushrooms is, you know, the psilocybin, um, but interact on serotonin receptors. Okay. That's kind of how it impacts your mental health aspects of things. Um, and each of them brings a dip, I get how, I don't know all the science of how each experience is kind of made. Um, but they're all known for having different levels of experience and where, where they bring you. And it's probably just related to the the underlying uh, main um, chemical. That's the, that's the drug. It's kind of like I talked about Iboga and Ibogaine. Ibogaine is the active um, chemical that makes Iboga, which is a root, it's a psychedelic based out of Gabon in Africa um, as a psychedelic. That one's utilized a lot for um, substance abuse. Um, not legal here. So usually you're doing it in Mexico or some of those places. Um, not anything I've done as of yet. Um, <laughs> <laughs> as far as I know, it's more intense than ayahuasca. So, um, <laughs> yes, <laughs> it's all, you know, um, but so I don't know that, I don't know that I can't answer the science of how it like develops that connection. Um, but it does work within, um, and everybody's, you know, experience is different, but it does work on serotonin receptors. Gotcha. Okay. Perfect. Anything else you would want someone to know who is interested in exploring this journey, whether it is, you know, the natural pharmaceutical, we'll call it, or connecting, you know, with the universe, going through chakras, implementing um, manifestation, someone just in the beginning of their journey, trying to figure out where their place is in the world and what to do next. What do you, what do you say to that person? What do they, where do they look? Where do they go? Whether it's a resource or, you know, your, your last couple of thoughts as far as where they should take it. Yeah. I mean, I think for sure, as you guys talk about meditation, starting to develop that connection and because that's going to be the impetus to help you. If you do psychedelics, when you come back for integration, one of those big pieces, and that's going to help you to get to be a present moment. So even if it's just a walk in nature without headphones, right? Because you can't sit on a pillow yet, fine. Even if it's, I'm just going to use my breath work and do the sauna and do, you know, my cold plunge, fine. Then get yourself to work where you can sit on a pillow and work through some of those things. Um, 
that's going to, I mean, in all aspects of your health and everything, being able to utilize your breath and meditate and be present to me is one of the most powerful things ever. Um, and then when you're researching for psychedelics, it's really about, if you're going to go abroad, just make sure it's a reputable place. You want to look at reviews. You want to really look at the program. You want to look at all of that. And I think the same is here um, in the States. Now that it's become more talked about making sure you're working with somebody who's trained um, because I, I do fear that people are going to come about who are a little bit less trained in the field. Um, and we have, you know, legal ways you can do ketamine. There are ketamine places, um, you know, whether you do oral or injection or any IV and those kinds of things. Um, but then making sure you have the support for prep and integration and that, and, and those aspects, make sure you have support with your family, that they're going to help you when you come out. Um, and, and you, and you have that connection with yourself. So don't go to your friend's cousin's grandmother's basement for no, a no. journey with your buddies. No, and don't just go randomly to like Mexico because there's this one person who give you ayahuasca and do that. No, um, <laughs> no. So you're speaking our language. You know, we talk cold plunges, we talk meditation, we talk this sauna and just using these things. It all circles back to connecting with your breath. So we're, we're connecting with the breath to work our way through discomfort. And you can do that a variety of ways. And yep. That's what you just it's really picking what resonates for you. What what resonates for you that you can be consistent with and do on a pretty much daily basis. Um, you know, you may obviously you go on vacation, you may disconnect from it, but then you come back to it, right? And it's and and it's gonna you're gonna have you know times of season. I don't want to go for a walk. The snow is gonna start coming. It's cold. I don't want to be out there as much, but I'll find different ways to get my fix of nature because for me nature is really, really important. If I'm frazzled or any of that, I have to go outside beyond my meditation. I have to be outside with the fresh air, the breeze, all of that stuff. Um, but it really is just about finding, you know, what works in your schedule and what resonates for you. A lot of times, cause you, I get like, you know, competitive people, or if you look at military people, like Wim Hof breathing is amazing for that because you're competing with yourself. So it's a way of getting them to do that. But finding ways that you can get out of your head. That's, that's the really important aspect. We have to get out of our heads because if we're in there, we're way back in the past or we're thinking way too far in the future. And then we can't just be here. See that guys, I'm not, I'm not this crazy person who says these things all the time. <laughs> it's, it's a thing. It's a real thing. I love it, Jamie. Anything else you want to just throw out there? We'll, we'll wrap it up here in a minute, but anything you want them to know about you, tell them where they can find you. Give us the rundown. Uh, yeah, sure. Um, so my website is um, monarch-way.com. Uh, Why can I not speak right now? Uh, <laughs> monarch-way.com. Um, if you want to, you know, more information, if you want to work with me on functional medicine or, you know, you want more information on psychedelics, um, you can reach out. You can do a free discovery call. Um, I also have uh, Instagram, Monarch Way does, but mine is... Uh, dr doctor dot j a m i e dot d m p um and i kind of share some of my experiences there um yeah and i'd i'd love to chat with anybody or help you find resources even if it's microdosing that kind of stuff there are ways to legally go about it 
or semi-legally. I have some loopholes of gifting it. <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful. All right, guys, we are going to wrap it up here. Any questions, you know where Jamie is. And as always, you know where to find us, but we will catch you in the next one. Thank now, you. How do I stop recording? Is this over here?